Real Whiskey Real presents Judgment Day. Listener discretion is advised. The podcast that you are about to hear is politically incorrect and offensive. The opinions expressed are merely for comedy purposes. This is your Judgment Day. We all go a little mad sometimes. What an excellent day for an exorcism. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Time to play. Sorry for the interruption. So you said we had good feedback, huh? Yeah, it was just, no, it was did. jarring. It, it, but life is. I, I guess I was saying I, I learned to just be myself and then just let let the chips fall where they may. There's no point dancing around it. I am what I am. People can either take it or leave it. You know. It's one of the things I respect about you a great deal. <laughs> it's also one of the things where I'm like, ah, oh, fucking Wes. <laughs> I know. Oh, what, have you guys met Wes? But what's crazy is the... Crazy. It wasn't the episode. It was the stuff that you edited out that's really interesting. So, and I, I think I still have that footage, or footage, that, 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 re, that stuff... <laughs> the leftovers somewhere. Um, it wasn't the. It wasn't me comparing myself to A-list celebrities that really bothered me. It was. <laughs> it was the. Um, it was the very descriptive language I used in talking about what I would do to Holly Hunter. Oh yeah, you, you do that. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that got trimmed. <laughs> you were. You, you were personally offended by that. You're like, this has to You're like that's my girl, not on my watch. <laughs> but yeah, the 20 minute Ryan Reynolds. Um, <laughs> The stream of consciousness that you put out there, I was like, you know, I don't know if we need that on this episode think, necessarily. I don't think Wes wants that on public record. <laughs> you know so who funny. I really remind myself of? <laughs> a mix between Gandhi and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm kind of a, a, a mixed version of both of them, honestly. Yeah. Sort of a messiah-esque sort of figure. <laughs> Oh, God, what a douchebag. I know. I listened to that episode even after you edited it, and I thought, God, no one's going to want to date this guy. And literally, I had, like, girls that I was talking to at the time, like, text me, like, oh, I listened to your podcast. And I was like, why did you listen to that? But no, like, there's something sweet and and very endearing about mm. being vulnerable and being open. Sure. And women are super susceptible to that shit. So, like... <laughs> I hope so. I guess the I'm, right ones I'm, maybe I'm are. kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, see. But, uh, <laughs> yeah... No, I, I really enjoyed the episode. I, yeah, I couldn't I wait to have you back, man. Honestly, oh, cool. this is great to have you back. What have you been up to? It's great to be back. I've been working a lot. I'm doing a lot of writing, and and, um, and I've been trying to do more music around town. I've been doing some open mics. Okay. Playing some playing some original songs, which um, is kind of an interesting thing. I've, I've done music for a long time, but I've always sort of either played in a band with other people or my ex-wife and I used to do a little duo and um, she's much yeah, better yeah. singer than I am. So um, it's always it's a weird, it's an interesting part of this, like re, regaining my, finding myself after all this time and being divorced and like kind of, it's part of this like new journey. It's like r- looking into music more again and seeing if I can write songs. I, I'm really more interested in it as a songwriting 
thing than a performance thing, but going to the coffee shops and like testing the songs out to yeah, see if they, sure. you know, if there's something there. And would you consider yourself sort of a modern day Elliot Smith mm. or more of a, in that I am super depressed <laughs> over, over Gordon Lightfoot? Oh man, Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> I know too soon he died today. Gosh, man, I just saw that. Yeah, uh, he died today. that's crazy. I had to get that. Okay, I'm glad that you knew that at least. Good, good, good reference. Yeah, because if you just mentioned that, then I was like, whoa. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm, that would have actually sucked. That yeah, would have no. sucked if I had just broke the news. Yeah, I know, right? Like Gordon Lightfoot died today. Yeah. Also, he's fucking dead. <laughs> right, just by the way. You, just so you know. Yeah, no. I'm more of a Paul McCartney. I'm just kidding. I'm yeah. totally kidding. <laughs> You're such a McCartney. <laughs> I'm more of a McCartney type. No, I just... Um, I can tell, I can tell like by how nervous I get, you know, and I don't like to get nervous, but it's a pretty good sign usually that I'm onto something. Cause you're very performative. So like, mm-hmm. but music, does that make you more nervous than 100%. Like doing up? Oh, hundred percent. God, yeah. I, I, the music is the worst because there's nothing to hide behind and you have to sort of, you have to like execute what you came there to do. Whereas with comedy or any other thing, you can always joke around <laughs> to get out of it. I was say, I mean, music requires skill yeah talent skill and talent um comedy requires patience and writing Mm -hmm. and preparation yeah like anyone that is actually good at stand-up as you would know Mm. actually takes a beat and gets good at comedy a hundred percent good at it yeah take it's skills you have to acquire over time music is Obviously, anyone can reach a level of music to be passable and be able to show up and do something, but music also requires... There's people... Great musicians are born great musicians. Mm -hmm. Prince didn't just pick up saxophones and pianos and... You know what I mean? And be able to play every instrument known to man because he worked hard at it. No, that guy had a fucking... Yeah. A, a real tangible fucking talent for sure. music. That's what yeah, he was. I, it's probably that a combination. was his superpower. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's probably a combination of a lot of those, or not a lot, but a combination of a few major factors in like your environment, where you were raised, maybe maybe some genetics. Oh, yeah, yeah. But but also like sure, like you're just you're genetically you were born with the ability. I mean, some kids can just like play Mozart at age five. You it's know, it's not insane, like right? you know. Yeah. And I would consider Prince and some of those people like sort of like that, like pro- prodigies, prodigy, prodigies. Pro- Prodigies. Prodigy, prodigy. Prodigies. I was thinking progeny. Um, yeah. Well, they're, they're progeny are <laughs> progenies. <laughs> totally. Probably. But anyway. Yeah, something like that. Um, but yeah, so I agree with you. I, although, okay, yeah, um, there are talented comedians who are born and the same things happen, right? Like your conditioning, your environmental factors like cause you to be funny as a of kid. Of course. And then if you're smart, obviously you're better or witty, you're better. So there's like all there's all kinds of factors. What, what, what I find interesting is that Music, it, the same thing that makes me sort of timid about doing music was the same thing that kept that kept me from really making it as a comedian, which was the the lack of the ability to be vulnerable. You see, like I wasn't able to be myself on stage as much as I'm, as I'm able to be with you or on a podcast or like when I'm when yeah. I have more of a long form thing. It's it's that defense mechanism of like I'm getting nervous. Everybody's gonna laugh at me. I'm gonna use my wit and my my funniness to like get out of this situation. Yeah. And that becomes an act and you refine it over time. And then you add in the skills and the little things that comedians do. And you're like, okay, now I have something right. I can, I can tour, I can make money off of this. But at the heart of it is really, there's no, there's nothing real. And it's the same when I do music. Like I said, like, oh, God, they're going to see me. They're going to hear my singing voice. Yep. They're going to hear my heart and these lyrics and they're going to, they're going to judge me. So unlike with comedy, I can't kick into that defense mechanism like i'll make them laugh and divert all the attention towards that with music i just have to fucking stand and deliver the song and that is 
terrifying. And then afterward, I'm like, man, I'll make some joke about it. And be like, man, yeah. they're all like clapping. And I'm like, please don't look at me. Whereas with comedy, I can be like, oh, you want to look at me? Let me make fun of some shit. And then we'll get this going. It's like, it's such a weird fit. But that's part of this journey that I'm on is like trying to discover those things. If I ever do comedy again, I think I'll be way better at it because I can tap into that authenticity now. Right. Whereas before I wasn't, I was kind of doing a character. When I would work with really big comedians, like, like famous people or people who've done it for a long, long time or from like LA or New York and they've been around, they would always, they would always give me the same note, which was, which was basically like, you're, you're good at, you're a good actor and you're really good at acting like a comedian. Yeah. <laughs> like you got that role down, right? but you're not a comedian. Like you're, it's not true. It's not authentic. You write great jokes. You even deliver them well, but we can tell it's a, it's a lie. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, damn no. it. I mean, at least some of them. That kind of makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. And then also, I always struggled against this. Instead of just owning what I am, I would always come out and sort of hide, like have to convince, feel like I have to convince the audience to take me, to give me a chance and like take me seriously as a comedian because I came out and I felt like everybody was crossing their arms and sort of saying like, let's see what this straight white man can do. Sure. Like nice jawline asshole. Are you funny? You know? Right. Whereas if I came out and I was like overweight and had glasses and looked like you, they would die laughing immediately. <laughs> <Wow, that> was... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was trying to turn this into a verse. Turn... I don't know why I'm catching strays. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'm just saying like, I was always jealous of people who could come out and just immediately get the benefit of the doubt from the audience. Sure. Whereas, like, he's just funny when he walks in the room. Whereas I walk in the room, and he's like, who the fuck's this asshole? Like, who's well, this douchebag? And I'm like, wait, give me a chance. As your future manager, I mean, <laughs> I'm thinking that you do bring the guitar, uh -huh. but you do bits between songs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. So, Be a like, musical you comedian. adapt your vulnerability hmm. to the bits. Yeah. Because you're already exposed. You're out there. You're fucking singing the songs. Yeah. I like that. And it's funny. When I do, I write, I write some parody songs every once in a while. And when I'm doing a parody song, I'm never as nervous. I don't care. It's yeah. not, you know, because it, it's just something funny. And it's like, yeah, I'll share those. But So when you say parody songs, like... Uh... Not parody, but satire songs. I should okay. Say. Oh, okay, okay. I don't take other people's songs and change the lyrics. Because I was about to say, was that <laughs> doing like a Weird Al thing? No, <laughs> no, that's very happy. <laughs> Only Weird Al can do that. Uh, no, I usually, I usually write. Yeah, I'll write an original and just write some something funny. I like doing those conceptual, like like Flight of the Concords or a Lonely so, Island. Those are some of my favorite. Let me take this. Down. Wesley Stein thinks he's the new Weird Al. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> got it. Well, sort of a mix, mix of Weird Al and Paul McCartney and Ryan Reynolds and Gandhi. Ryan Reynolds, a, a, a sousant of Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Well, like I say, buddy, it is super good to have you back here. Good to be um, back. You and I have a tend to have good conversations. So Yeah. Just so you know, it is Judgment Day again. It is time to seek salvation. This is your second time here. Mm -hmm. The ending days has come and gone. You found your way to heaven. You were found worthy. Um, I'm sure they kicked you out for some good reason. <laughs> I'm, guessing, so. I'm guessing it was someone's wife. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that sent you back to me. But uh, <laughs> Worth it. But I am offering salvation. You get one more chance or another, who knows, uh, to impress the Almighty. Mm -hmm. Question the first, Wesley Stein, comedian, auteur, <laughs> singer-songwriter. <laughs> yes. What is the best film that you've ever seen, but you will never watch it again? Man, it's a good one. Yeah, this one really kind of stumped me for, for a, 
In fact, this is probably the one that gave me the most trouble. That's interesting. Because I feel like there's a lot of like low-hanging fruit answers to this question. Yeah, of course. It, you could just say, Requiem for a Dream and be done with your day. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. I thought about that. I, I, I kind of chose a recent one um, because, well... Let me just say my answer. You're probably not going to like this. Yeah, but it's a very recent movie and one of my favorite movies ever. Um, that everything, everywhere, all at once. You know this okay, movie. First of all, <laughs> fucking, I goddamn adore that. You've movie. probably seen it a hundred times. I've already. seen it. I've seen it like. No, I mean I've probably seen it like three times. You know what I mean? Like yeah, same. I've shown it to <laughs> different audiences and uh, gotten different responses. Yeah. Um, what do you love about that movie? First of all. <laughs> I think the um, I think what I love most about it is probably like yeah the story structure and just the writing of it yeah like not so much the dialogue writing but like the story writing like, it's one of the greatest screenplays I think so of all time I think so I think that it almost feels like they wrote it um, in like different sections and then did whatever they want and then just later on figured out how to say to make it fit together. I think that's a, probably really accurate. But like reverse engineered in a smart way, not just like, okay, now let's make it fit, but like reverse engineered it. Like here's where we want to get to ultimately. Here are the places we need to go. So how does this all connect? Just absolute genius. Um, yeah. And then also the dialogue and the, and the characters. I mean, almost a perfect movie, really. Almost a perfect movie. And I think that's why I don't want to watch it again. But there's other reasons, too, which well, I'm no, not going to get I, into. I, but let's talk about the movie first. Yeah, I want to... I know. I do want to know why you wouldn't want to watch it again. Because I find myself... I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not like... Yeah. I'm not going to watch as much as I watch other films. But I, yeah. I don't have any... I have nothing negative about that movie. I don't either. It's all positive. It's sort of like... I don't know. Like, sort of once I know it... Here's here's my other two answers oh, to put it okay. in this group. No, I like that. Like, do you know the movie? Well, um, Parasite is another one, right? Yeah. So once you know it, the the magic trick's over. The magic's yes. Yeah. The, the game with um with is it Sean Penn maybe the game it was a it was a the um uh, Sean Penn and Michael Douglas, Douglas yeah and it's a David Fincher David movie. Fincher movie amazing movie I'm never gonna watch it again because once you know it's it fantastic. fantastic it is such a good fucking movie Smart but you're movie. right. It, it is like watching a magic trick and they show you the trick. They show you the trick. So once you've seen that, it's like, I don't, I only really rewatch movies to be dazzled, to be taken back to that place to, or in the case of like Pulp Fiction or something, because the dialogue's amazing and I want to memorize it and I want to like, how did he write this, you know? But, but with, but with I, conceptual movies, yeah, once I've seen the trick, it's just like, I want to live in that world forever. I will go on the record and say that is the best reasoning behind mm. an answer for this question. Oh, other people if, haven't said that, huh? Here to four, <laughs> that is going to be my new bar. Yeah. For like, because oh, it is like, that's a great, like, um, there's a film called, uh, the prestige. It's one of Christopher Nolan's kind of lesser known. Yeah. Yeah. With, movies. Yeah, oh, yeah. But it's amazing. I think it's his best fucking movie. Abracadabra. Once you've seen the prestige, <laughs> once you've seen the prestige, <laughs> yeah. you kind of get it. Now I'll rewatch it. There's rewatchability in that film because mm -hmm. you want to go back and you're like, what the fuck did I miss? 100%. You know what I mean? Because it does expose like, oh shit. And then when you rewatch it for the second time, you're like, oh fuck. Yeah. It was right in front of you the <laughs> yeah. whole fucking time. And I've, One it, of those kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. And I've done that with everything. Like I, I, I watched that movie three or four or five times. Yeah. And... I wouldn't say studied it, but definitely like paid attention to things yeah. and certain watchings that I that I really sat down to watch it, just pay attention to specific things. And I, and then once I did, I was like, oh, wait, wait, wait. 
I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to break this down anymore. I don't want to learn more. I want this to stay in my head as like what it was when I watched it and not become a, not become a fucking like college class. You know, I want it to be a great movie that I can just cherish forever and just be like, that's what it is. Cause I'm going to do that with all those other movies too. You know, it's well, and it's such an overwhelmingly emotionally satisfying fucking movie (laughs) that like, if you've got it, it, once you get it, yeah, you get it. Yeah, no, we're we're done with that movie. Yeah, and I'm curious to see what the Daniels are going to do going forward. I mean, they've made oh two films, gosh. and they're both. They're I don't so know talented. if you saw Swiss Army Man. Yeah, the the farting corpse movie, but yeah. like, yeah, yeah. like great they're just they're fascinating human beings. Yeah, and, who did uh, I just who did I just hear? Oh, I just heard the uh, who did I just, Never mind. That's going to yeah, leave me for I'll good. think about the end of the podcast, but I just heard something that those guys are working on. I'll try to think. Oh, I can't wait to see yeah, what they're they do so, next. they're so, so talented. And, and I mean, I, they did, you know, obviously mm-hmm. pre-Oscar, they do all the podcast yeah. appearances and all that. And they did a show with Mark Maron, who's one of my, maybe my favorite. And like, yeah. it was such a neat fucking conversation to hear those guys talk about the process of yeah. creating that film and how it all came about and how they ended up with like fucking Michelle Yeoh and you know what I mean and Key who was just obviously like yeah. fucking amazing and Jamie Lee Curtis like I don't know like yeah yeah and that A24 is like the new uh, uh, the new um this is focus. Remember, we're like, basically sponsoring A24 on this podcast. Well, <laughs> like we talk about A24 so fucking. It's like much. what um, Focus Features was in the mid 2000s, kind of right, like, <laughs> like yeah. Monsters Ball and that kind of run. But maybe even bigger. Like, oh, like A24 has infiltrated. Hundred percent. They're yeah. in. Yeah, they're absolutely. in the zeitgeist now. Yeah, absolutely. And the um, the Russo brothers also have a new production company that they're making a lot of stuff. Ooh, like, really? Yeah, they actually produced. God, I want to say they they produced the Daniels. I think I'm pretty sure their studio maybe did Swiss Army Man, but they they they're like the you know the indie guys that like yeah. are trying to discover the next wave of indie filmmakers. I have a friend who's out in Nashville right now who's got a short film on the festival circuit, and I'm I'm trying to convince them that like just submit to some of these like submit it. bigger yeah. studios because you never know like they're literally like actively looking for new voices and 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 take and take to take a risk on someone who has a unique voice. Well, and, like, and that's for there's an old adage about just don't reject yourself. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yep. that's what happens is like you've done something yep. and you have an opportunity. You could put it out there. That's right. But you're like, nobody wants to see this. Yeah. Nobody wants to see this. 100%. And you reject yourself before anyone gets a chance to reject you. That's right. Yeah. And it, you know, it's funny to circle back. I'm, I just real, I just remembered it was really my son who's 19. And I've mentioned before, he's a complete cinephile. Yeah. He's actually the one who turned me on to this sort of way of thinking about this because we watched everything everywhere all at once at the, uh, together. Yeah. And after it was over, we just looked at each other and he was just like, oh my God, like that's the best movie I've seen in a long time. Yeah. I was like, yeah. And we talked about it for a while and it was great. And then we watched it. I know he watched it another time on his own and I'd watched it another time or two on my own. And the next time we talked about it, he was like, no, I don't really like the movie anymore. And I was like, just kind of like in passing. And I was like, yeah. Why? And I was trying to figure out like why he said that. Right. So I thought about it and thought about it. And I was like, wait, I think I know what he means. And I went back. Because I, I just didn't, I, I thought maybe he couldn't quite articulate what he meant. He just he just knew something had shifted. And I went back and I said, why don't, and he was like, I don't know, I've just, I've watched it like a dozen times or whatever. And I was like, yeah. I was like, do you think like that the, like that you saw the rabbit coming out of the hat too much and now you know how, and he was like, that's it. 100%. So I was like, so you ruined that movie for yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he was yeah. like, yeah, I kind of did. And that I makes like, sense. So then I kind of decided like, yeah, I probably, I probably won't watch that one again, at least for like, I do this with Crouching Tiger. Like I. 
I, I'm just now realizing, like, I, I loved Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon so much when it came out. Oh, I, I slept in that movie for three years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and then after a while, I stopped watching it because I knew I didn't want it to become like what I had done with Lord of the Rings or others movies where I just wore them out so much to where yeah. I just hated them. So I stopped watching it. And now to this day, like every four or five years, right. I pull out Crouching Tiger like on a rainy day and I put that on and just absolutely love it from start to finish. Well, that's good because... I would hate the message of this podcast to be that Michelle Yeoh is just so <laughs> exhausting. Totally <laughs> just exhausting. Yeah. Ah, I'm terrible. Because she's literally one of my favorite human beings on planet Earth. I guess that's why that came to mind because she, she's in those two. But but you know what I mean, though. No, like, no. I know exactly so, what so you mean. To say I'd never watch it again. And I think that's again, actually a really good analogy. But if I'd never watch it again, it's probably too stern. I'll, I'll watch everything all I want in like five or ten years. And I would honestly say at this point, I have no desire to go home and watch Crouching Tiger. Like, I've seen people flying through trees on on wires. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've kind of seen that movie. I've yeah. seen that magic trick. Yeah. I was... I mean, I remember seeing it in the theater, mm-hmm. and, and just I was being blown away, just enraptured. I was like, "What? This? <laughs> nobody's ever going to make it." Wasn't just a better the, movie. It wasn't just the 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 because I agree with you. Um, it was the it was the combination. Like I always tell people this that you can have like the sharpest tool in the box, but if you don't use it along with the other tools in conjunction, the way they're all supposed yeah. to be used. So like people do these trapeze fighting and oh yeah, and all these movies. I'm thinking, but no one has ever combined it with the music the right way Beautiful. combined it with the cinematography the right way like yeah. that they did all of that the correct way so that people flying through trees actually looks and fe- makes you feel something no you felt you felt the magic you felt like it. you could feel magic yeah. in the air when you're watching yes movie. yes and that was ang lee right like yeah exactly just his direction was so picture perfect. yeah exactly yeah. so i i want to i want to i encourage people to do that more like if you have one good talent it's not enough you got to bring all those other bring pieces it all in. in. Bring it all in. And get help. And get help, yeah, absolutely. Get other smart people. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't have to be your vision. That's right. It's ruining your content because... It just you has that. to be a vision. <laughs> it's right. That's right. Because <laughs> you have one really good thing you're doing, but then all the other stuff is not not as up to that standard, you know? 100%. And uh, I'm tired of that. seeing bad movies with, like, amazing car chases or, like, bad movies with amazing yeah, sword fights or pretty. bad movies with amazing dialogue. I'm like... Just get one or two other people to help you out, and this could have been a fantastic film. You know? Yeah, you actually would have made a movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, we're going to go the other direction. Mm-hmm. Question the second, Wesley. What film do you think is completely overrated? I mean, some people bring notes, but that's okay. <laughs> Podcast audiences love dead air. <laughs> they just love dead sounds while people are trying to think of something. Here's the funny thing about this category is, ostensibly, it's really fucking easy. Like, I could just say, Avatar is overrated. Sure, that's that's what I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? You and can't do that. Yes, it's too easy. I'm a, it's too easy. If I consider myself a true cinephile, I, sure. I really want to have it. I think when I first read it, actually, I know, I, I remember now, and I, I remember, like, thinking, I can't say that, because I won't be able to back it up. Ooh. But now that I'm here, it's like, well, fuck no, it. No, I'm fascinated. I want to <laughs> hear this answer. It. My answer is uh, Citizen Kane. <laughs> the greatest <laughs> movie of all time, arguably. <laughs> No, let's talk about that. <laughs> I, just I actually like over. this. I like this. Um, <laughs> Citizen Kane is the most overrated movie of all time. You think so? 100%. Sweet. Hell yeah. It's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. It's It, it changed the way that films were made. Right. You know what I mean? You 100%. have to like... 
there's a reason that every film school on planet Earth fucking shows you Citizen Kane. Right. I've seen Citizen Kane in film class, and I was told, this is why you love that movie. Also, it's kind of fucking boring. Yeah. It goes on for a really long time, and I don't know that I give a fuck about like her the character's story anyways. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at that time, that was a more like pertinent... Um, subject matter, and no one had ever seen that movie before. Right. Right? Yeah. But, dude, when are we watching? I mean, come on. Yeah. It, it, of course it's overrated. It's, yeah. quote, unquote, the greatest movie ever made. Right. It's not. <clears throat> no, it's not. And we all know it isn't. <laughs> That's right. And, and the, for all the reasons you just said, it is it is considered like the the – you know the gold standard to where where movies changed into modernism where 100 percent that's we, a really good way to put it you know actually. you took it took it off of a it used to be like we we looked at it as like watching a stage like think ginger rogers fred, fred astaire they're on a stage so everything was really there was all in a box you know like that and the audience was out here and he he took the camera off that and moved it around with the characters which is revolutionary but my whole point was like if it wasn't if it wasn't orson wells it would have been the next guy it would it's not like I don't know. It's hard to say that because you say, well, if it wouldn't, if it wasn't Henry Ford, someone else who would have been in the assembly line, he he's the one who did it. He should get the credit. But I'm just saying, and and Orson Orson Welles should get the credit. He should get the credit, but it but it doesn't make the movie like it doesn't it doesn't make, make him, it fucking watchable. Yeah. I'm not, dude. Yeah. You know what I equate this to? Um, it's Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. The, it is the hipster answer for the fucking greatest album ever made. Yeah. Nobody fucking sits down and listens to goddamn pet sounds. And That's if they right. do, then you're probably an asshole. Yeah, yeah. Quite or you or you're like deep, deep, deep into the understanding of of trying to get to peel every layer of the beach boys onion back that's fine like if that's your thing yeah if if you're doing a phd or something go for it like and and that's the thing with films like film students they do they get caught in these little wormholes and they they want to they want to know every thread of their their and i i respect that but yeah you can you can also have an opinion like you can also just watch a movie and be like no actually i like this one better even though it was because i think like when you think about black and white movies like i can literally name like uh, several that I that I find better than Citizen Kane that are shot in the tradition the old way, you know. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even think it's Orson Welles' best directorial oh. movie. Wow, that's interesting. Touch of Evil is his fucking best film, and I will fucking I will die on that hill. <laughs> that's great. Hundred percent, I will die on that hill. Charlton Heston plays a Mexican in it. That's fucked up. Yeah, but awesome. Like it was like really <laughs> fucking awesome. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, no, my, that's a great movie. Well, and my, my buddy and I had gotten a huge debate about this back in the day when we were both really hardcore, like trying to make movies and like trying to be the next Rodriguez and Soderbergh or whatever. We we would have these intense debates, and at one point I was at a half price bookstore in Dallas, Texas, and I bought the, I found the Citizen Kane script in in oh my, yeah in my yeah. paper paperback, you know, and I bought that sucker for like fifteen or twenty bucks and. And we were roommates at the time or living together. And I, I was sitting there reading that 
And when it was done, I just took it and threw it on the table and was like, that's garbage. Okay. <laughs> and he was like, what the fuck? And he was like, yeah. But I was like, no, I'm serious. Like, if, you, if you'd if have shot that script the way they shot It's a Wonderful Life, no one would have went and seen that movie. Nobody. Like, it is a terrible story. Like, I mean, not terrible, but it's just not... Like, there are a million stories that are better than that. But it's a very classic three-act sure. fucking narrative. Sure. I mean, there's nothing... Yeah, and he put a camera on a zip line. So, like, great. Everybody's going to go see that. It's just... It's the, it's but, the special effects... Weird thing. It of the really day. was avant-garde thing of the day. It's sort of like it kind of. I kind of think about like the Matrix when they came out with like Bullet Time, Terminator Two. Oh, Terminator it's Two. It's Terminator perfect. Two. Fuck yes, perfect. Yes, yes, yes. By the way, I fucking kind of hate Terminator Two. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> that might like, be another good one. That's kind of overrated. But you, again, that's you my overrated. That with, that's yeah. my overrated. But like movie. with any of those movies, Avatar's overrated. All all of these things, at least. At least with Avatar and Terminator 2 and some of those other films, they do have some of those other pieces. They they figured out at some point, 100%. we got to have some heart in here. we got to make some stakes a little higher than just like the fate of the world. It, people don't care about the end of the world. They care about the end of their relationships. So it's got to be right. like a mom and son, a husband and wife. Um, and they figured that out somewhere in the early 2000s, late 90s. And they were like, oh, like we can now we can make movies like The Rock and, and uh, Con Air and oh, shit yeah, like that. Yeah. Because if we just put a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Now we got the formula. And they're all terrible, but they sell billions of dollars in tickets. Honestly, I love Citizen Kane as an answer for the second question. Sweet. I'm off the hot seat. No, you nailed it. You almost (laughs) fucked it up because you couldn't remember what the fuck you were talking about. But that's okay. Yeah. Question the third, Wesley Stein. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite action movie? And I love this question. This is such a divisive question. I know. I do, too. And and maybe this is why I said Crouching Tiger, because originally, when I was thinking action movie, I'm like, I'm not a huge action movie fan. Sure. Um, Like, as a genre, there's certainly movies that I love. um, But, like, when I think of action, I always think of more, like, fight movies, like like martial arts movies. Bring it. Um, So, like, yeah. Those count. Yeah. So, like, Enter the Dragon. um, And, like, and then some of those old, like, Jet Li movies from the 90s or early 2000s are so good good i could watch them fight all day long um but but more in that vein i'm not i'm not into like the new style I'm, i don't like action for the sake of action i don't like the spindles i don't like john wick i, don't, I mean i say i don't like I don't, i'm not i'm not a huge fanboy. sure and so um so yeah like the ones who are, are a little bit older a little bit more artsy um and then, like, I think Crouching Tiger or something like that, you know, is, like, where, where it actually has a story and it's compelling. It's oh, got beautiful music. And, and gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, and all that. Um, I watched um, The Die Hard with Samuel L. Jackson, like, a hundred times. Die Hard 3. Die Hard 3. It's probably okay. my favorite action movie. Dude, first of all. <laughs> it's so stupid. Jeremy Irons. It's such a good answer. I'm just talking about all these elegant fight movies. I'm like, Die Hard 3. <laughs> just bailed at the end. I, re- I remember when I watched Die Hard 3 in the theater and I walked out of it and all my friends hated me because I was like I think I like this better than Die Hard <laughs> totally totally <laughs> Die Hard 1 did not have Samuel L. Jackson I'm just going to point no, that out the, he's amazing the interaction between Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson in Die Hard 3 is fucking amazing amazing um, I love Alan Rickman yeah obviously as the main baddie I thought Jeremy Irons was a 1B. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to have to get a new foreign villain, why wouldn't it fucking be Jeremy Irons, who is just, like, the scariest man alive? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, no, I don't hate that answer, man. And the action's great. Yeah. And it's I was going hilarious. as I was going to St. Dives. I met the men with seven wives. Every wife have seven. It was such a great dialogue when they, oh. when he sends Samuel L. Jackson down, or when he sends Bruce Willis 
down to Harlem mm. with the sign that's like, with I hate sign? black people, or oh, I hate the N-word. The N-word, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I want to write, I literally, like, I want to write dialogue like this when I grow up. Like, I want to write scenes, I want I want to be put into a writer's room where they say, okay, Wes, here's the deal. We got Bruce Willis down in Harlem, he's got this sign on him. It's now, amazing. you gotta write us a scene where he gets out of this situation. And I'd be like, bet, give me that. The real, the exclamation point on that scene and that dialogue is that he thought his name the whole time was Jesus. <laughs> That's right. Not a perfect to you. <laughs> but it was Zeus. actually Hey Zeus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zeus, like I'll put a lightning bolt up your ass. I, I guess I, at some point I have to have an underrated movie question, and that would probably be one of mine is Die Hard 3. Yeah, I think. It is. Yeah. It, it, I love Die Hard, but I think Die Hard, Die, what was it called? It had like a yeah, catchphrase um, or whatever. Oh yeah, what was it? But Die Hard 2 was terrible. Terrible. Just a and shitty so remake. For whatever. And everything free and from then on, right? Yeah. But like Die, Die Hard 3 is little thing. badass, man. I'm going to even go so far as to say there's a couple moments in there when they're like, because there's a bomb in some schools and they're trying to find the bomb in schools. Yes. Yes. And there's a couple of moments in there where Woo! when I was watching, because they keep cut, the way they cut it and the way they, the way they keep the music theme, and music's so important, but they keep this music theme going and usually they would, they would change the music when they would go out of that Jeopardy or whatever into a new scene. They reset by changing the music. Right? The music stops, they go yep. to a silent, maybe it's, it comes a little bit after the cut or whatever. They always, well, what, they don't do that. They just keep the intense music going the whole time. So as they go from the school to the police station to the bedroom, whatever, it's all the same building music. And... I swear to God, when I was watching The Dark Knight, I was like, what does this remind me of? And I realized later on, it was like Die Hard 3. Die Hard 3. Of these, like, <laughs> of like there's bombs in schools on this side of town, there's hospitals over here, Heath yep. Ledger's, and there's like, and it just kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat through like a, through all these transitions where in traditional movies, they don't do that. They kind of, they want you to stay in the, they want they want to deliver you the information in the right time, so they don't want to give anything away. So it's like, oh, well, let's cut the music there, or let's like, and they they just kind of let it build and build and build the intensity, so you never know like when something's going to blow up or you know what's something's going to happen. I I don't know. I just think no, I get I'm it. I'm not trying to say Christopher Nolan stole something from Tower Three. I'm just saying they have similarities because they're both great movies. I would honestly say that Christopher Nolan probably was a fan of John McTiernan. As yeah, a filmmaker, yeah, yeah, because he had a sense of scope. Scope, which that's yeah, sure. Nolan's theme, details, and, yeah, and uh, yeah. logistics and car chases, I, and I'm with it. But you got to shut down half a Toronto to to do a scene. That you better be, <laughs> yeah, better be goddamn good, <laughs> yeah. Nolan. By the okay. way, is he ever going to make another good movie? Um, are you, are question: you gonna go, Are you going to go see that um, that that uh, one Oppenheimer? About, yeah, I'll watch it at home. You don't think it's going to be, you don't have high hopes for that? I don't have high hopes for it. I think it might end up being a great film. He's, uh, maybe this is a question I should add. Um, maybe my most, he's up there with like Robert Altman as like maybe the most overrated filmmaker oh, wow. in modern history. Do you think, see, I'm, 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 I could, I could be I like a lot of, of his movies. Me I too. like them. I can be convinced of that, but I, is he one of the, is he one who, I like I like I love Interstellar. I love the Prestige. Yeah. Um, I think is he just underperforming though? Is what I wonder. Is it overrated or is he just underperforming? Because there's certain people who I feel like I've seen them do such great work that I don't I don't consider them overrated. I think what happened to them? But they're they're not they're not themselves. Sure. They're not like Guy Ritchie comes to mind. Two great debut movies and then just pfft, some shit with Salma Hayek. Yeah, like, but that was just maybe a thing with Guy Ritchie. Like he had three movies in him. Okay. And that was it. Is that how you feel about Christopher Nolan? Do you think he had three good movies? And I don't. I mean, are there three? Like, I liked Memento. 
I think is great. That was the first thing I saw no, from him. Brilliant. Brilliant fucking movie. Yeah. Um, I love The Prestige, Prestige as we talked good. about earlier. Yep. Fucking amazing. Love that movie. Yeah. It's probably my favorite of all oh, of his wow, films. Oh, wow. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's probably my favorite. I think The Dark Knight is overrated. <laughs> Sorry. If you watch that movie without Heath Ledger in it, yeah. that's a pretty boring pretty cop average. movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and the action in it's not really all that particularly good. I see what you mean. Um, uh, what was the uh, the fucking DiCaprio one the, with Tom Hardy? Fucking um, the memories. Uh, oh yeah, Inception? Inception. Oh man, that was hard to. That was a hard one, dude. Uh, overrated. Yeah, overrated. It's so overrated. And the same one with the one that came out in um, the pandemic. Interstellar was okay. Interstellar was okay. Um, the one that came out during the pandemic. Oh, my God. John, that was my, unwatchable. John David Washington. Yeah. It was like, it seemed like it seemed like it was going to be like... Um, and he's such a good actor. And yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't like Dunkirk. And I'm oh, like, okay. I'm the world's did. biggest Tom Hardy guy. But like, I was just watching Dunkirk like... <laughs> Couldn't be more bored. <laughs> <laughs> this, and this is, great. is like one of the most dramatic sequences in life that ever happened yeah. to a group of people. And I'm like, man, I just this is so boring. So I agree with you. I think I think that's what's going to happen with Oppenheimer's. Probably it'll be a it'll be an Oscar award winning or at least Oscar award nominated film that'll be boring as hell. That's what I'm kind of thinking, right? Yeah, like, it'll probably have why... like it'll have moments. And I don't want to go and... into it. Yeah, thinking that uh, obviously, you know what I mean? Because yeah. Nolan has dazzled me before, but like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I feel you, dude. I'm not sure he's my. I'm not sure Christopher Nolan's my dude. Yeah, I feel, <laughs> I feel that. It was like that with Guy Ritchie. It took me forever to to just admit that, like, he's just not gonna be. It's like sort of drafting like the the guy in the in the draft, and then he just underperforms. Where you know, like, oh, look, you, you gave us three great seasons. We we gotta let you go. And I like all the wrong. Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie movies, dude, like, like Sherlock Holmes and the... Well, no, like, my favorite Guy Ritchie movie is Rock and Rolla, which no one has actually even fucking seen. That you can literally watch it on YouTube for he, free. Yeah, I, I remember watching it when it first came out, but I do not remember anything it's about it. fucking fabulous. Does it have Clive Owen in it? Who is in that? No, Rock and Rolla is Gerard Butler, Idris Elba, Tom Hardy, Tom Wilkinson, my That's old right, yeah. buddy... And <laughs> I mean, it's got this amazing cast. Pivens in it. Yeah. I mean, it's just ridiculously Mark Strong, who's fucking amazing. Oh man, he's great. You know what I mean? And like nobody's seen that movie. And I'm like, how is no one? It's better than Snatch. Yeah. I will die on that hill. That's great. Hundred okay. percent. Yeah, I need to go back and watch it for sure. Yeah, it's great. It was one of those. Yeah, that <clears throat> that I. That I that I definitely watch, but I don't have a big memory of. Weird, forty five minutes in already. <laughs> <laughs> I know Excellent. we do this every time we get together. We're just like, let's talk. I know we should hang out more so we get this out of our fucking system before <laughs> know, right? we record. Um, question the fourth, Wes. What movie would you show a new partner as a test? Yeah, <clears throat> for this one, I'm going to go um, with. With one one of my answers from last time I was here, which is uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, the, the Wes Anderson movie. That is a good answer. <laughs> Thanks, that especially answer. especially if it's the fall when we're getting together. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's such a personal movie to me um, personally, and there's so much so much about the dialogue that I want to talk about and things like that. And then I'm going to be referencing it through the whole relationship, so you might as well know what I'm talking about. But then there's also like the Wes Anderson factor. Because there's like two types of people in the world, <laughs> and so I don't really want to date someone who, at least, doesn't appreciate Wes Anderson, even if they don't like him. So here's an honest to God, honest question: mm-hmm. 
Is that Wes Anderson's best fucking movie? I mean, for me it is because it's my favorite. <laughs> I think it's I think it's his best movie. Yeah, it might be. It might be. Like I love Rushmore and I love Bottle Rocket. All the early Wes Anderson, especially the I just early have ones, like yeah. a a more too. like my nostalgic yeah. connection to those movies. Because I really liked I really liked um, World Tenenbaums. Something about the dialogue in that and. Yeah, like scene to scene, it's just fabulous so movie. Yeah. yeah, one of the great ensemble cast yeah. cast in the history of film. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but no, it's um. And I may be, be like a little tongue in cheek when I ask that, but like I really think yeah. fabulous Mr. Fox is yeah. fantastic, Mr. Fox. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's, yeah, a, it's, a, it's really it's a it's, it's, it's a stop motion masterpiece movie. when oh. it comes to stop motion movies. It's one you know probably the best ever made, and that's another part of the test is like. It says a lot about my personality. I think specifically is I don't. That's kind of how I see my life. I don't. I, I don't. I don't take it too seriously. But there's serious stuff in there. So like, if you can watch a not oh. serious movie where it's puppets, but it has some serious content in it. No, they're genuine moments. Yeah. Then then we're gonna vibe because because I never take myself seriously, but I take but I take things seriously. So. So that's it's, a good sort of metaphor for me. Is like I'm, yeah. I'm just a dumb and can you Muppet. not sit through a film that is sweet, yeah, funny, um, heartfelt, yeah, like like visceral emotions come out. Like yeah. I mean, what are you not looking for in a movie? Yeah, exactly. To watch Mr. Fox, exactly. And then he has the great line, which I probably mentioned last time I was here, but, but I think I, he did. But yeah, where he it's says, okay. where he says, uh, he says, you know, <clears throat> if if people aren't. Um, you know, um, dazzled by me and wowed by me and slightly intimidated by me, then I don't feel good about myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he's gone on this big rant, you know. Um, but but literally, like, there's gonna be times where and and you know, lately, like I'm I've become my own hype man for that very reason, right? So I don't, I I, I it's not arrogance. It's that I don't I don't want to have to rely on you to tell me I'm great. So I just tell myself I'm great all the time. Yeah. Compare myself to Ryan Reynolds, you know, things like this to sure. really boost my own self worth, so that I don't have to rely on others. To do it, you know, that's that's the biggest thing, and so I think that's the I call it the fantastic Mr. Fox syndrome, where you don't you don't want to be relying on any external sources for your outside happiness, and that's what that movie taught me. It's like generate your own joy from within your own heart, and then you'll never be disappointed. You'll never, never be have disappointed. A, you'll never have a bad day in your life. You'll never be lonely, and so like right now, like I'm really enjoying this sort of time of being on my own, being being alone, and sort of like really having to connect with that, and then like being my biggest fan, and yeah. being the person I wake up and say I love you too in the mornings and of course i have a dog for that too and i say love you to him every morning but it's like you know it's those kinds of things that's like it's coming from inside oh no you're definitely your biggest fan (laughs) (laughs) yep president of the fan club (laughs) there's only one member and i'm the the only one member but by the way i Okay, I, I've I've had that accusation leveled at myself. So. It's okay. It's healthy. That's, it's that's healthy. why we're having such a great time today. Again, at least you can see it coming, and there's no secret surprise. Like, oh, this guy's an arrogant jerk. It's like you know what it is, and you can take it or leave it. But it's not like I I think I'm all that great. It's in fact it's the opposite. I think I'm terrible, and I hate myself. Of and so, course. do you want me to walk around like that of all the course. time, or do you want me to rock around like a big douchebag, insecure guy like most guys do, like trying to get your praise? No, you'd rather just me. Just tell myself that I'm awesome. <laughs> and yeah, then, 100%. It works out way better, trust me. In the I've been run. awesome all day. 
All I've done is thought to myself, I think this T-shirt is too tight. <laughs> oh man, I feel bad now. Yeah, because my comments earlier. T-shirts too tight. No, no, it looks great. No, if I lift my arms up, everyone's gonna see my belly. <laughs> That's good, man. That's coming in. Um, crop tops for straight dudes are in this summer. Yeah, they're they're gonna have to do that on their own. There's no, I don't I don't have nearly that level of self confidence. Oh man. All right, fair enough. Question the fifth, Wesley Stein. Mm-hmm. What is the greatest sequel of all time besides The Empire Strikes Back? Um, um, There's so many good answers for this. I know. Um, I haven't seen this in a while, and I only saw it once, but I remember thinking this is probably the best movie ever made, and I probably won't be the only one to answer this. The answer, the correct answer, is Paddington 2. <laughs> Paddington 2 is the best. It far exceeds the original, and it's just an amazing movie. We should take a moment because that is my secret answer. <laughs> I yes. fucking love Paddington 2. It's amazing. It might be the sweetest movie without feeling icky yeah. and sticky. Not saccharine sweet. Just, at all. Yeah. It is the sweetest fucking movie I've ever goddamn seen. Yeah. I've never rooted for a movie character more yeah. than I root for Paddington. <laughs> yeah. And Hugh Grant is the greatest villain in modern movie <laughs> fucking history, dude. He's no. amazing in that movie. Amazing. Yeah. It's already... his best role. Yeah, I agree. And I will take no other answer. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> That's the end of the conversation. <laughs> I agree. And he knows that too. And you know it eats him up. He's like, my greatest I... role I ever did was Paddington. Fucking Paddington <laughs> too. Can you fucking believe it? He knows. He knows it's the truth. But yeah, and again. And you know what? He's playing that role now over and over again in Guy Ritchie movies, <laughs> right. which I find really fucking weird. Because <laughs> yeah. now he's just in all the Guy Ritchie movies and he's playing the character he played in Paddington 2. <laughs> finally. Finally, finally. Finally found his he way. He figured it out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. But again, just uh, to, to reiterate to my friend, my adult friends who don't have kids or who aren't, like you're missing out on all these great movies that are, that are animated or stop motion or whatever because, you're, because you, you're not giving them a chance. These aren't, this isn't child's play. This is real cinema. These are award-winning films that deserve to be to be viewed by mature, real audiences, not just to like appease a child. I mean, these you're yeah. missing out, folks. Well, you stole my heart with that answer, one hundred percent. Because I, I not, and I. And this is not the first time I've talked about Paddington Two on this podcast. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> I'm sure you have, and I'm sure other yeah. people will answer that too in the future. Because it is I, like I Godfather, Empire Strikes Back. There's like only few, a few sequels who exceeded the first one, and that's definitely one of them. Oh my god, I think it's in the conversation for like top ten movies of the last twenty years. Oh, that's great. I really think it's that fucking good. And everyone I've shown it to fucking loves it. Yeah. I don't know if they love it the way I love it, but they love it. Well, it's hard to it's hard to have that same when somebody shows it to you or tells you about it, it's a different experience than finding it, right? When you find it organically, you're yeah. so surprised by the quality of it. You're just like, oh my God, like I think I love this movie. But if somebody yeah. tells you like, oh God, this is a great movie, then you're like, ah, you have some expectations and it kind of changes the experience a little bit. You almost have like reverse expectations. Yeah. Like, well, I'll find a reason not to like this shit. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, it can, totally. Yeah. When that's in fact, the, you should just fucking love it. Yeah, that's the beauty of of... of programming for younger audiences and i and I, i've said this since i saw finding nemo when my kids were little when i when i saw finding nemo in the theaters i walked out of there and i told my 
my wife at the time, I was like, I think that's the best screenplay I've, I've seen in a long time. Yep. Like just story-wise, dialogue, like that's an award-winning screenplay. And I was like, the fact that they used that on an animated, like they wrote that for an animated film, an Oscar-worthy yeah. screenplay. And it, and it made me realize like over the years, as I started watching Pixar movies and all these kids' movies with my kids, I was like, I think I want to write Pixar movies. Like I really genuinely think like my my calling or like my biggest probably where I could be the most effective in Hollywood would be to write your like basic three act Pixar story yeah. um, where they use that formula because, because there, there's some things that have to happen in there. They're pretty complex. It's not just right. easy, like formulaic action movie kind of stuff, but it is just formulaic enough, sort of like a romance novel where you can, yeah. you can, you know what I mean? And they're just so fun to do. And, and then to, to, to build on that formula, change it up, make it different, and da, da, da. So anyway, um, I, have a, I have a real soft spot for that kind of stuff. because As, I have, as do I. You do? <laughs> but I do think that um, writing for Pixar is not going to be a thing, and I don't honestly think it has ever been a thing. I think there's an algorithm somewhere. <laughs> chat I GPT. Think the, the early chat GPT was actually just Pixar <laughs> writing movies that make me cry. I know. Because that's all they do. I, I know. I cry at yeah at, at Pixar movies. I mean, I can name like three or four right off the top of my head that fucking destroy me. Me too. Yeah, and that's because they're great stories. Well, actually, Beauty and the Beast was in Little Mermaid era was when it first started. Like that's when they started taking it seriously. And in 100%. fact, Beauty and the Beast was actually nominated for best screenplay, and it deserved it. And that was the first time a. An animated movie, I believe, was ever animated for best screenplay. You know, Snow White and all those were had other nominations, but this was for best screenplay. And I thought, I mean, and Nemo was the same way. Um, but yeah, there's, it, I don't know. I just well, think it's, I mean, fuck it, dude. Inside Out. Yeah. Oh, I mean, on and on. Up. Come on. Yeah, there's some up, really the good. The first movies. ten minutes of Up. Is, <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Tear jerking. But um, there we've are, talked about this on the podcast before. We might have even yeah. talked about it, but like. Toy Story 3 when they all accept death in the incinerator and just start holding hands <laughs> is the saddest thing that's ever happened in cinema history. <laughs> no. no. It's like, why did you spend 20 years making us care about these characters? What the fuck? <laughs> and they just reach out and hold each other's hands. And they're just like, yep, this is where we all go. <laughs> like, oh my God. That's so great. <laughs> but dude, Bing Bong dying in fucking Inside Out. Like, yeah. From, I really want to see a movie now where they're all heading towards certain death. I want to see them grab hands and say, guys, let's Toy Story 3. Let's Toy Story 3. <laughs> I want it to like, become like a this. reference. We got this. Toy Story 3. <laughs> yeah. Toy Story 3. <laughs> like, if you jump over a water stop waterfall with your friends, <laughs> instead of being the Thelma and Louise now, it should be the oh, Toy Story 3. <laughs> the Toy Story 3. 100%. Let's just hold hands. We gotta well. update the zeitgeist for, <laughs> sure. for Gen Z. Who's who the fuck's Dumbin Louise? Just grab her hand. Shut up. Just grab her hand. We're you'll jumping get, over. You'll, you'll understand in a moment. Oh, that's Wesley. great. This that's is great. great. Yeah. Question the six. Mm -hmm. This is one of my favorites because there's so many answers. Oh yeah. What film did you used to love, but now when you watch it, it's so fucking inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like this one. I did have a lot of answers, <clears throat> and you can have, you can have. I realize you can have answers to this question for a lot of different reasons. That's what I was gonna say. There's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons for this. Yeah, racism. Aside, like it could be misogyny, it could be casual homophobia. Go on. <laughs> yeah. like there's just so many, many, many uh, myriad things that could um, that could be problematic nowadays. But I wanted to choose something that was um, like I really loved as a kid, and like yeah. one of my favorites. And um, and uh, 
I may have I may actually saw this today. They they stole my answer. I already had this. But um, this movie Major Pain with um with with Damon oh, Wayans, <laughs> so funny. Okay. But he like he says the R before word a couple going, times <laughs> before you get going. Okay, what? I've wanted to talk about this movie on the podcast for a long time because my memory of this movie is so fond. I thought it was fucking hilarious. Yeah. But there is definitely in my brain like fat shaming. Oh yeah. Uh, mental disabilities. Yeah. And, okay, so go on. Yeah. I'm like <laughs> yeah. But and, I love it. Like I yeah. remember loving this fucking stupid movie. It's so stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah. Damon Wayans is a drill sergeant who falls in love with a girl and has to get moved to, he makes a mistake, a blunder at work, and he gets moved to a um, ROTC program right. where he has to train like teenage boys. And as you can imagine, they're very unruly. And, and he so was it's, a trained killer. Trained killer, yeah. So it's like a it's like a um, Bad News Bears yeah, meets um, yeah. Odd Couple situation. Stripesy. Yeah. yeah. But, but think of it as like a coming-of-age comedy where a group of kids, so it's like a, a Sandlot, uh, Goonies kind of thing, but with but with like... The, um, yeah. But with like the bad news bears drill sergeant, perfect. And and um, yeah, so he's like calling him the R word for mental disability, or like you know just using all these terrible slurs. What I really find problematic about it, though, and I actually saw this at the time, is it's a movie that glorifies male toxicity. Hundred percent. It's a movie that says if you're not able to do so many sit ups or push ups, you're a pussy. Yeah. If you're overweight, if yeah. you don't have this, if you don't have that, if you have too many freckles. I mean, one kid he calls him a freckle face cartoon. Yes. <laughs> and 100%. I just remember watching that thing and like, my brother would love this movie because <laughs> he's got all these things. Um, and what's funny is like I did too. I just didn't know it. I didn't. I didn't see myself that way ever, and kind of still don't. But but. In terms of like toxic, toxic masculinity, yeah. but I actually think I'm very masculine, and I actually think like because of the experiences that I've had in my life. I agree. Um, it it after you after you've done so many things as like a toxic male and da da da, and then you and then you sort of become somewhat enlightened. You 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 no longer need to do those things, right? Sure. So it's actually a it's sort of the you've you've evolved out of that. And past sort of mass, like general, like traditional masculinity. So like, so like, I don't fuck with girls who are into that. You know what I mean? Like, if sure. you're if you want some dude who's like super man, like pounding his chest all the time and like blah blah blah, like that ain't me. You know what I'm saying? But I used to do that, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like I've come out the other side of it like way more confident and like way more masculine and way but that's more like capable. Stage development. Yeah, it's just development. It's Darwin because like hopefully in a hundred years like no dudes will be insecure and beating yeah, their chest. Like right. hopefully at some point we'll evolve out of like the caveman mentality yeah. and we'll just start taking care of each other and being more expressive and more vulnerable and authentic and, and all those things. So so in that way like I love that movie. I think it is hilarious but I think it is so if they were to make that movie today it would do so much damage yeah, yeah. in terms of yeah. setting us back with guys in and, a lot of ways in a lot of ways um and and yeah so i maybe and this might be a mandela effect false memory that i'm having about major pain but mm-hmm. i kind of remember him being kind of sweet and cute mm-hmm. with the female character that's when right. he's wooing her that's right and i don't remember him being like necessarily inappropriate or he was inappropriate with the kids. That's right. But he was actually kind of a sweet guy when it came to wooing the girl. Yeah. But he played some great music for her. He wanted to dance for her. The one rem- moment I remember is when he's like, you want to wrestle? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's but like, right. other than that, yeah, like he just treated those kids like shit. Yeah, and what's funny is he treated her sweetly because he liked her. And her whole thing was like, 
was like pointing that out. And the whole point of the movie is he's got to eventually break down and accept these kids and he's got to be sensitive. Yeah. The way that he does it, the way that he does it is so crazy because it's like it's in it's in an acceptable way. Like in other words, like like he's a big hero because he took one small fucking step to be he vulnerable. Took, um, yeah, <laughs> and like the whole movie's resolved, and it's like confetti falls at the end, he and he's became like slightly less horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. like the whole world fixes itself, and it reinforces this message that like dudes have to do so fucking little to be these god gods among men, and yeah. like women are doing all this shit, all this shit, and it's like they oh, get so little. They're doing the work. <laughs> all the work and a guy like does the you know like a woman like all day long she like she's cooking she does her job she comes home she cooks she cleans she picks up after the kids she gets their lunches ready she gets the clothes set out for the next day of school she gives them a bath and then like the husband comes home she's like hey can you do you mind putting the dishes away and he's like fuck I gotta do everything yeah you know what I'm saying she's like I just got home (laughs) it's like you've done nothing you've done nothing but anyway which is such a bullshit all he does is come to one small realization about the way he's treating people and honestly you're right there was a whole genre of film where yeah. it was just about berating small children about their insecurities yeah and, uh, and then making them better 100%, somehow. like happy yeah. gilmore it was like happy gilmore effect where you like let's take a airhead guy who has a temper and just slowly make him what lovable over like the course a of a movie horrible temper <laughs> but like he doesn't change he doesn't evolve by the end of the movie he's the same fucking dude he's just more lovable he's just more lovable and i think like that's not i don't know people don't People, you can't make those movies anymore. Far be it for me to um, bag on Adam Sandler's filmography. <laughs> well, <but laughs> he, is a, he is a Mark Twain prize winner now. <laughs> hey, you guys, it is time. We're halfway in. We're going to take a very, very brief break and try to compose ourselves. <laughs> you can reach out to the Whiskey Reel at 970-426-5344. We would love to have your thoughts on season two of Judgment Day and any Whiskey Reel associated stuff that you want to talk about. Um, Wesley Stein and I will be back in like two minutes, and for you it's going to be like 20 seconds. you guys we are back with wesley stein my dear friend hello wesley question the seventh we hate on this podcast to be negative but what is the worst movie that you've ever seen (laughs) good um so for clarification are we talking about great bad movies or good bad movies i mean or um, bad 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 bad, good bad movies or bad bad movies i'm i'm i mean i'm gonna leave that up to you However yeah. you want to define that. Okay, because um, I don't want to be negative. And I, if I'm going to tell people about the worst movie I've ever seen, I'll, I want them to go watch it. And I want them to enjoy it because oh, it's an right. enjoyable experience. Okay. You know, there's a there's a whole culture around terrible movie watching. Yes, and I can, mean, The Room. Hopefully that's, <laughs> yeah, not, of hopefully that's not your answer. But no. like, that, like yeah. there are many people have gotten rich yeah. over yeah. such a horrible movie. Horrible movies. And audiences, too. Uh, 
you telling me you've never sat around with your friends and gotten stoned and like just made fun of a horrible movie and had the time of your life? So many times. And just commentary, and it's just so great. So I, I love doing that. The Mystery Science Theater 3000 kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so <laughs> take, this, take this small nugget and just enjoy. It's a movie called Hell Comes to Frogtown. Starring Rowdy Rowdy Piper. No, Have you I seen know it? Who it? I know who it stars. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, no, you've seen it. I'm very familiar with Hell Comes to Frogtown. Thank you. That is my um, favorite bad movie of all time. Well, I grew up in the 80s mm-hmm. with Cinemax, so Hell Comes to Frogtown was on was it? steady repeat back in those days. Um, <laughs> okay. And it was Rowdy Piper's first... Um, movie role. Cinnamon role, yeah. You know what I mean? Um... <laughs> If that's what you want to call it. I just it. want to tell the audience really quickly. Please. A, a quick yeah. synopsis. Yes. Um, it's Because I actually wrote phenomenal. a I wrote a folk song about this movie. It's I like it so much. Because <laughs> like, I just wanted to retell the story in a, so in a song. Amazing. So it's, it's a post-apocalyptic Earth. And pretty much everyone in the planet has become sterile. Yep. So there's no people being born. And because everybody, everybody's become sterile, women have now become the rulers of the world, essentially, because they don't need men anymore. Exactly. And... The only man who has legitimate semen is Roddy, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Only he, yeah. he doesn't wear a kilt in this. He, and for those of you who don't know, he's the pro wrestler from the eighties. Thank you. Yeah, um, we have to. Yeah, I, I think the only other high-profile film that Roddy did was They Live, the John Carpenter classic. Right. Yeah. Um, which is another post-apocalyptic kind of fucking thing. Um, it's so bad. Um, heavily in the zeitgeist. But yeah, but yeah, please go ahead. And again, it was just from this era of when the men who ran Hollywood <laughs> believed that <laughs> believed yeah. the entertainment that the world needed was, you know, what do guys want to watch? Well, they want every woman in the world to fuck them. So let's make right. a movie about he's the last man on the planet with semen and every girl wants to fuck him. But there's complications. And it's, not as, it's actually not as... Um, uh, um, explicit as you would think. It's very, no. uh, it's very just like Cinemaxy, like you know, R-rated nonsense. There's no like, you know, no. But but boy, is it terrible and just so misogynistic and just so like she has to. At one point, the princess has to do the dance for the three snakes, and this is because the the man who rules Frogtown is of course a frog, mutated frog, and he has his penis. He has three penises. <laughs> And she has to make the three penises, you know, dance. He has to, she has to make the snakes dance. It is so terrible from start to finish, and I love it. Also, um, stars a, a really great classic Western actor. I can't remember his name now. Rory, oh. Rory, 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 Rory Calhoun. Rory Calhoun. Was that his character's name, or was that his real name in real life? That was, I mean, Rory Calhoun was a real person. Okay, that yeah, he... he He's actually a really good actor. Like he's actually a really good character actor from from back in the I think like the the old sixties westerns, like spaghetti westerns days. I think maybe he's worked with Morricone and right. But but he's in this, and I'm thinking like, man, they always have to get like one. They have to ruin one guy's reputation in every one of these movies. So here here's a weird theory I have about this movie because uh-huh. one of my favorite movies of the last twenty years is Alfonso Cuarón's Children of Men. Mm, mm-hmm. which was based on a novel that came out in 1992. Okay. Which would have been uh, three years, four years after fucking Frogtown okay. came out. And the premise is, of course, that we're in a dystopian future. Is that the Julianne Moore? Where, yes, uh-huh. Julianne Moore okay. and Clive Owen. Right, right. Fabulous fucking movie. Yeah, One yeah. of the great fucking films. Yeah, I remember period. liking it. And it won period. some awards and things, yeah. And... It has kind of the same general conceit 
that fucking <laughs> hell comes the frog town has yeah. of like women have now become sterile no one is having babies anymore and this is what happens yeah and i've always wondered i'm like wow did the author of children of men which has become such a seminal property <laughs> in american literature and now one of the great films of all time yeah was that based on Elkins? Sure. <laughs> Fucking Roddy, Roddy Piper. Of course. Uh, he had Cinemax. Of course it was. He had Cinemax and Sleepless Nights like the rest of us. I'm just going to call it and say yes. <laughs> that is a direct adaptation. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, I said Christopher Nolan based The Dark Knight on Die Hard 3, so we're, okay. we're both... Dude, honestly, <laughs> what we're takes. doing is we're tying a bunch of uh, beautiful mind kind of threads. Yeah. And, and well, we were having an interesting... Interesting discussion off mic earlier about about influence and 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 and, and inspiration versus versus theft versus like, theft. What's yeah. what's the fine line between oh you ripped this person off or you were inspired by them? Because we've seen so many movies and 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 especially music. We were talking about music at the time, but like where do you draw the line? What's the difference? Did did like did they steal that from did did J.K. Rowling steal from Le Guin yeah. and, or was she did she just read that as a little girl and think, Oh, I want to be a wizard and then her own Of course. Right? That's how it works, we right? You would give her that latitude, right? <laughs> sure. And I most would things. I would say that Children of Men was a marginal upgrade over Yeah. <laughs> comes to front but derivative <laughs> <laughs> But still derivative of it. <laughs> but, it like, but it's definitely fucking... You can run, but you can't hide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We know where you got your source material. Oh, man. It's so funny. There's a lot yeah. of great bad movies out there, but that was... A... Oh, also, my second answer would have been Nope, the Jordan Peele movie. Really? <laughs> really? Not really, but kind of. I have I, another one of those... What do you hate about that movie? Um... That like thirty seconds it, that it didn't tie together, that it just didn't it didn't pay off in the end. He could have paid it off. I think that he missed opportunities. Yeah. There were so many chances to tie a bow on it and drive the point home, and he didn't do it. It it became out real. It came out real vague to me and disappointing. If if it was anybody else's movie, I wouldn't give it a fuck. But like I love him, and I think he's a genius. Yeah. And I was very disappointed. And I thought. I think he's playing us. I think he. I think he's just making whatever now because he knows he can. And we're all gonna be like, oh, I must have missed the point. Like I, I think it was a. Um, I think it was underwritten. Mm-hmm. Much to your point, yeah. I think it was a series of really, really cool, scary vignettes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that people miss the point with the chimpanzee, mm-hmm. which is one of the most horrifying scenes I've ever seen in a probably movie. the most horrifying scene I've ever seen in a movie. That whole sequence right there, I was I was watching it with my son, and I was like, oh. my palms were sweaty, dude. When her feet are just doing the thing because you know he's eating her fucking face. And I think that's... horrifying. And I think that's part of it, Bobby. I think my old rule with my kids about I'm always going to let my kids watch a radar thing if it's worth it. If it's funny enough. Yeah. If it's compelling enough. If it's a not a good movie. That was like that for me. I remember seeing that traumatic scene and just thinking like, this better fucking pay off in the end. And it didn't. It didn't tie together. It was amazing. I love him. That's why I was not super serious about it being yeah. the worst movie of all time. It's a great film. It just... Oh, it was so close, and it just well, didn't pay off. There's a tie together with that scene and the finale, but I think it's it's too hard to see. I think it's 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 no, vague enough. It's too that, vague, yeah. Because he won't look the chimpanzee in the eyes, and that's what saved his life. Yeah, as a young boy, hundred percent. Right? Yeah, it's and a, then he won't well, look the monster in the eye, and that's how they right. But did you get the? That's right. You want, but the deeper message, obviously, for black folk. Is you don't look your master in the eye. You don't, don't look, look the, your master in the you eye. You don't look the white man in the eye. 100%. You duck your head around white people. Oh no! Yeah. And so I got all that, but I just thought 
no one else is going to get this. Bobby's going to get this. I get it, but no one else is going to get this. And it just didn't. And people didn't. They didn't. Overall. And I'm just thinking like you, you have all the resources at your disposal. The whole world loves you. Yeah. You've got this amazing um, material. It just felt a little bit lazy for him to not like, yeah, like just take the take a minute and just really make it like because it was kind of the same thing with us. Like us, I think was a little bit better, but it still kind of faded too. at the end. Yeah, like where where you're just like, God damn it, you were so fucking close. Like just so close. Put that. Give me that us stinker. Is, us is so scary. <laughs> so fucking scary, dude. Yeah, but God then you go to like, but then but then you're like hands across America and blah blah blah. And it's like, okay, I I see what you're trying to do, but you need to rein this shit in. You got to make it. You're he's trying to tell us a story with a with a instead of a scalpel like get a little yeah. bit more precise and drive it home and like and let's <laughs> let's culturally um yeah be kind of to, course to jordan peele because telling stories from a black historical perspective is really difficult 100 to get across to an audience yeah um there was a uh a series that came out that i think he was a producer on called lovecraft country yeah which I thought it was one of the fucking greatest things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And it got canceled so fast. Yeah. They could not cancel that motherfucker fast enough. Yeah. And I'm like, it's amazing. It's a, ama- they literally, and I'm going to use a word I shouldn't use, but it is part of the, it's, I think it's on IMDb, but like they called these two sisters, the scariest fucking thing that was in the fucking series. They called them the Jigaboo sisters. <gasps> But there was a reason because there's a mythology yeah. in African American culture about what is called the Jigaboo, right? Uh, mon- these monsters, yeah. basically. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's like that has been adopted by crackers in fucking white America, yeah, as fucking monsters. But it's like it was such a good fucking show, yeah. and it drew from H.P. Lovecraft, who is the most racist, xenophobic motherfucker 100%. in literary history. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, even though I love his works. Yeah. You know what I mean? Very problematic. <laughs> Very problematic. Well, yeah. I, let me just say, because I, I agree with you, and the only reason I mentioned Jordan Peele is because I have such respect for him as a filmmaker, and I'm rooting for him so very he's hard. He's an amazing filmmaker. I think he's amazing. I think his sensibilities are so good. I've never, like, he's one of those people where when he makes a movie, I'm going to go see it. Right, yeah. just because I believe in him, I, I have that. And the same with uh, the Lovecraft series. Like anything he does, I'm I'm there. That's that was my that was what disheartened me about this movie because I, I literally just remember thinking like this could have been the next Close Encounters. This could have been the next big thing that people are going to talk about this movie for thirty years. Yeah. And he and it was ninety percent that. But there's an old saying. Um, they actually did a study. Uh, it's not an old saying. I don't know why I said that. But there's a an adage if you will but based on a study they did um um where where they when people watch a movie in a theater they 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 pull them at the end of the film or whatever and basically they found out that that you can watch a good movie that you think because they ask them every five minutes where is this a good movie yes good movie good movie good movie um and then it have a bad ending and then when they leave the theater, they say, Did, was that a good movie or a bad movie? They say, bad, it was a bad movie. Bad movie. <laughs> Even though 99% of the way through, yeah. they were answering, this is a good movie. If it doesn't have a if it doesn't have a satisfying payoff, you're going to consider it a bad film. Yeah, that's not an <clears throat> indefensible position no. to have. No, of course not. Like, if the movie doesn't fucking pay it off for me, yeah. Then, yeah, well, then it was bad. They failed. Yeah, and there's they different... They failed at their mission. That's right. And there's different ways of doing that payoff. It's not always, like... Goodwill Hunting drives away at the end of the film and leaves everything he knows. We're fine with that, right? Because other thing, because emotionally for us, it paid off. He, we don't have to have him 
become a professor and like get rich and have yeah. this great life. We just need to see that he's chasing his heart and like that's good enough. It's just that little bit of like give me that little satisfaction of knowing that that this is going to be okay. Yeah. And yeah, so so there is that element at play that where I just like God damn it. I don't I don't want somebody to be avant-garde at the sake at the sake of their sacrificing their story. Okay, next question. Sorry. I think it's a great I'm rambling. This is going to be a long episode. It's going to be fine. I think that's a great fucking answer. Question the eighth, Wesley. Mm-hmm. What is a movie that you watched only to make someone else happy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like this question. I was it's really, a great question. Yeah, I was By really, the way, if you haven't listened to Jesse K's answers from last week, okay. please go back where she and I used to date, and she just lists like 20 movies that she had to fucking watch when she dated me. <laughs> That's right. It was rad. Oh, man. I can't wait. I can't wait to listen to that. That is hilarious. Yeah, it was awesome. I bet. God, I can't. Now that I think about that, I, I bet there's a lot of people out there who are th- saying the same They're thing like, about oh. me. Like, if I have to watch Fantastic Mr. Fox one more time. Fucking kidding me. <laughs> this Wes Anderson shit. That's so funny. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, when I... when I um, I was literally trying to suck his dick. <laughs> and he made me watch Fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 hold on, wait. We're going to finish this movie. <laughs> yeah, what's, the, what's the meme trend right now? It's like, uh, like you better not make me sucking your dick look like a Wes Anderson film. <laughs> no <laughs> way. Ding, ding, oh, ding, ding. They start playing that. the music. Anyway. I need um, to see that. It's, well, you make anything look like a That's Anyway. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to go with, so my uh, high school sweetheart was really big into um, a movie, which actually, now that I say this, it's a great film, and because what you're saying is like somebody we watch this to make someone else happy, but we don't necessarily have to regret that we watched it, right? Well, sure. Yeah, so I'm very pleased and happy that I was forced to watch this movie. Okay. Because it was my yeah, it was my high school girlfriend's favorite movie of all time, and when we started dating, she was just like talking Pretty about it all the time, and <laughs> that was a that was exactly close Shut number two. Up. No, that was number two. Okay. She has one and two. Whoa. And I started to say Pretty Woman, yeah. but I'd already seen that before. So when my girlfriend says Pretty Woman is my favorite movie, I'm like, oh, I've seen it a hundred times. Wow. Number two on her, or number one on her list was Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. Shut the fuck up. Isn't that an amazing the movie? The horse movie. Yeah, jumping off the... Yeah, jumping off the things. Yeah, the high dive. Who's the girl? Um... Very famous. Claire Danes? No, is it Claire Danes? Is it Claire Danes? I think no. it's Claire Danes and Wild Hearts. We're Googling. We're Googling. We're Googling. No, I know. We're both here. You Google. I'll talk. So, Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. Um, just an amazing... Is it maybe D.B. Cooper is the guy? Who's the guy? Well, it's not D.B. Cooper. I mean, that's D.B. Sweeney. Sorry. D.B. Sweeney. D.B. Sweeney yes. is the guy? Yes. I said D.B. Cooper. He's the guy that jumped out of the plane. I apologize. I'm a little ADD. D.B. Sweeney was, the, I think, the male lead. Yep. And then... God, who was the... Fe- Who's the female lead? We'll, we'll find out. Bobby's looking into that. I'm anyway, on, yeah, I'm it's like on. the horse. I've seen this movie like five times. It's really I'm romantic on. and um, very uplifting for women, like sort of like a women's empowerment um, theme to it, which is really oh, cool. I think it's Gabrielle Anwar. Mm, okay, it yeah. Is. It's Gabrielle Anwar, uh, who is also in um, Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead. Right, right. So this bitch might be like the league leader in like Under- most words in a fucking title <laughs> that's so funny yeah. but no it was Gabrielle Noir um I think you're right I thought it was D.B. Sweeney that was like the guy or whatever Ooh, nope maybe not because I'm th- now I'm thinking like the cutting edge I'm getting the cutting edge confused with that's D.B. Sweeney that's D.B. Sweeney for sure God, and that's see, another that's another great 
Dylan Cussman. Okay. I don't know that. So guy. so no no but big I know, stars. But I know I know who I I can picture him in my I'm brain. I'm gonna picture him. But there's no big stars in this movie. But if you haven't seen Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken, go watch that. I think it'd be a worthy. It's um, actually. I, I don't I'd know how it holds curious. up. I'd be yeah. curious to watch it. I haven't again. seen it in a long time, but I definitely know I would never have watched that movie had not been for my for my high school girlfriend. And I'm really glad that she made me watch it. And then we ended up getting married, and we were together for 25 years. Oh, are you serious? That was her. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> I just thought I'd frame it differently because I get sick of saying "tell my ex-wife." No, I like that. Actually, so I like to yeah. reframe it. Um, I mean, I watched a lot of movies for my ex-wife and vice versa. Yeah, obviously, because I made people watch movies. Of course, that's what me I too. Me yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same I made a girl kids. this weekend watch uh, Cold Comfort Farm, which most people have never fucking seen or heard of, and I think is the most delightful movie ever made. Yeah, but like, yeah, I, we do this all the time. I do it all the time. Yeah, I'm guilty. And I'm I'm a, I'm like I'm a little more I'm one of these people who loves recommendations when it comes to music and movies. I, I don't I have no problem saying that I haven't seen anything or I'm not familiar. I haven't heard that person. Please tell me. I I I, I want to become a fan, and I and I'll take it or leave it. If I don't like it, I don't like it. But but I'm I'm really open. My kids um recently like if I'll come in and they're watching something on Netflix, I'm interested in what they're watching because I want I want to learn their sensibilities and da da da. And a couple of times. They've been watching something where I sit down and think, how how is this not in my life? You know, my kids have introduced me to more amazing content than anyone else on the planet, right? That's because they're really cool. No, it's super cool because they're just they're like you know twenty one nineteen like they're in that they're in that like most relevant age group. Um, I'll give you a great recommendation that they turn me on to on Netflix. Um, Midnight Gospel. Do you know Midnight Gospel? I've heard about it. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, but no, I this people can, have told uh, me. Chris, oh, what's his name? I can't remember now. <clears throat> people will know, but. Um, Anyway, check that out and listen to your kids when they give you a recommend, or if you see them watching something. Um, Arcane, the, the animated series Arcane, hundred oh, percent. That's based on. I yeah. told you about that. I mean, those those things are. That's we, more my son's um, girlfriend. Yeah, who also lives with us now. Nice. Uh, yeah, she she turns me on. To, my, so here's the thing about my son. This is so disappointing. He doesn't <laughs> like fucking movies. <laughs> my son who is 24 years old now um my roommate ethan he does not like movies wow and like i'll sit downstairs and i will watch like three movies in a row <laughs> yeah. and i would drink budweiser non-alcoholic brews and fucking just watch movies because <laughs> it keeps me from doing horrible things right but like <laughs> it, it's amazing he's just like what's this movie i'm like it's fucking Star Wars. <laughs> wow. What are you talking about? This is so interesting. Um, you've never seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? I remember showing my son um, Ghostbusters for the first time when he was probably like 12, 13 years old. Mm -hmm. And he was like, huh, all right. That was all right. And I'm like, where did you come from? Like, what is happening? He's like, I'm going to go play Call of Duty. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Does, yeah. does he like uh, video game movies when they come out with a with a video game based? I don't know. Never asked him that, that question because we you... don't we don't speak anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Speaking of that, are you going to go see the Mario Brothers movie? Have you seen that yet? No. <laughs> okay. I just sorry. <laughs> no, I am not. <laughs> Take your son to Mario and bond over <laughs> film and video games in one. <laughs> I don't know. For all I know, I I I, I remember buying him a Nintendo Nintendo GameCube. <laughs> uh huh. Um, probably in like 2002 
when those things were coming out. Sure. And he still has it. Oh, that's cool. And he hands it to me. And he's like, all you need is an HDMI adapter, and you can play this GameCube. And I'm like, I got excited. I was like, are you fucking shitting me? Hell yeah. I want to play all the old GameCube games. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Ocarina of Time, you kidding me? Bring it on. Rogue Squadron, all those Star Wars games. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think Echo the Dolphin was on. I think that was on Dreamcast, but yeah. Like, I was just like, oh, yeah. That's all I want to do. And he's just like, all right, Dad, have a good good night. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) That's cool. Enjoy watching Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Wow, that's great. Okay, question of the ninth, Wesley. Mm Mm-hmm. What is a film that you have not seen, but you think it's crazy that you haven't seen it? I was dreading this coming up because I'm just embarrassed to answer this in That's front of the you. Point of this question. <laughs> I know, but but I love him so much, Edgar Wright. He's my probably my favorite director. <laughs> He's already sitting back. You already, you already like get out. Go on. He's my probably my favorite director working today. Like if yeah. I if I if I no, he's the best director. Yeah, like if I rubbed a la- magic lamp and they was like, "Hey, <laughs> you just wrote this screenplay. Who do you want to direct it?" I'd be like, "Edgar Wright." You know, you haven't seen Baby Driver, have you? No, no, it's not that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, sorry. Um, it's um, it's uh, Scott Pilgrim. Saves the world. <gasps> versus the world. Saves the world. Yes. Scott Pilgrim saves. Is it saves the world or versus the world? Anyway, the Scott Pilgrim movie. I have not seen. I've seen parts of it. My kids have watched it. I've passed through the room, and every time I'm like, "How have I not seen this fucking movie?" Like, I watched it. I, this I know. Weekend. <laughs> I know I'm gonna love it. It's one of those things where, like, I Dude, know I love this movie already, and I haven't awesome. seen it. And like, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you got a little cocaine in your sock drawer, so oh. you don't want to like snort it yet. Bro, it's awesome. <laughs> I just I'm also, saving it for a rainy take day. Take out your cocaine. <laughs> watch Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> they will go really well together. It's a great fucking movie. Yeah. It is... It's got some of the dumbest, greatest fucking moments that... I mean, it's yeah. fabulous. Well, <clears throat> when it first came out, I saw it had, you know, Michael Sarris on the show. I didn't know it was a it was a Edgar Wright joint. So I... I I, it it kind of hit my radar as like a teen Michael Sarah vehicle and initially. It's the only thing that he's done that was an adaptation. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, that, yeah. Right then? Like everything else he's done has been. So his this own. was this was based on the book um, on the kids. manga uh, mangas. Okay, okay. Yeah, it all was right. a series of manga. That makes sense. It was, and which are really fun and cute. Yeah, and I have them all. That makes home, sense. I just case. it's one of those where I missed it initially because I. Because of the way it was marketed, I miss I misinterpreted what it was, and then also my kids were too young to care, yeah. so I just kind of missed it initially, and then, so it was like years later until I found out like when I was looking at Edgar Wright's filmography, and I was like, what the fuck? How did I miss this one? Well, and so, I don't know. Do you watch um, Succession? The new uh, <laughs> again, I haven't gotten into it yet. Gotcha. I've watched a couple episodes. I'm, it's one of those that I'm waiting till I finish some other things, and I'm really going to dive into it. The only reason I bring it up is because of Kieran Culkin who is the mm-hmm. breakout star yeah. of fucking Succession. Yeah, yeah. That character, he cultivated in fucking Scott Pilgrim. Oh, I see. 100 the- fucking percent. He, the snarky, shithead Great. fucking roommate character that he plays in Scott Pilgrim is this the is fucking... Great. Black sheep son perfect. from Succession. That's perfect. So now I can, so I can watch Scott Pilgrim, and then I can begin my Succession. Binge. I think that would be amazing. That's great. I that's think that perfect. Would be amazing. Cool, man. Cool. Great. Okay. I don't feel. Way, I'm fucking, glad to get that off my chest. That is crazy. Thank you for accepting me. For that. I don't watch that movie. <laughs> I will. I will. Question the question the tenth. What film remake 
do you think? By the way, this is the easiest question. Yeah. What film remake do you is just com- think is complete shit? Which most of them are complete shit. Yeah. Do you mean a remake of another film? Yeah. Hmm. Oh, do you got to think about it? I do kind of have to think about it. That's uh, okay. I don't know. Um, so I was thinking about so many this too. Ones. I've been thinking about what my answer would be. Um, as far as like film remakes and my response is always like, well, why did you even fucking remake Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Why would you remake? Why would you try it? Yeah. Ostensibly a perfect fucking movie. Mm -hmm. It did everything that it was supposed to do. Why did Rob, by the way, this is my answer. Why did Rob Zombie remake Halloween, (laughs) which is the perfect slasher film and he did nothing but defile it. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's like so. That's my. That's where I'm at with yeah. this question. Is it's like, the same reason what people. The fuck, were you thinking? It's the same re- people reason. Pe- the same reason people open shitty restaurants and shitty clothing boutiques and shitty businesses. Ego. <laughs> well, <laughs> they, yeah, they want to. Yeah. They want to be at the helm of something that they admired as a kid and and point to it and say, "I did that." Well, yeah. you did not do that, sir. Someone else did that, and yeah. you admired it. Like, do your own thing. Like, find right. something else. That, like Rob Zombie could could have made his own. Could have made his own Halloween and named it, you know, you know what I mean? Like he could have taken his own sensibilities and applied them towards something original and new. So let's do this. While you're thinking about that answer, mm-hmm. we'll skip ahead to question 11 because they're related. Great. Let's do that. What is a film that you wish would be remade? And my thought process being mm-hmm. like, well, Last Starfighter was a good movie. <laughs> but God damn it, dude. Like, we could fucking make Last Starfighter. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. we could make that movie. Was that like, um, like they do, though, all the time? They just call it something different. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Right, like, true. Ready Player One. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know if that's a. Is that. I haven't seen it, so I don't know if that's similar to Last Starfighter, but it sounded like it was based I on could, the trailer. I, it's very much based on Last Starfighter, but it's also very much based on a novel. Right. Which is really good. Okay. And the movie sucks. It <laughs> yeah. sucks. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I was originally going to point to, like, when I read the question originally, I thought about this Dennis Quaid movie that came out in the mid-2000s called uh-huh. um, called um, The Flight of the... Red... Flight of the Phoenix. Flight of the Phoenix. Thank you. I think that probably should not have been remade. That... Not, not to say the flight, original Flight of the Phoenix was amazing. It's just that the second, the remake was so terrible. <laughs> they... How do you... Okay, so back to question 10, obviously. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Because, dude, Flight of the Phoenix is a horrible fucking horrible, remake, dude. Horrible, The original's not even that good. No. And the remake is just as fucking shitty, if not shittier. No, it's like, shittier. Like, how did you fucking do this? Yeah, it's shittier. It was one of those movies where like, I watched that's, the first that's act. That's almost a point of honor. Yeah. Of, like, <laughs> no, we carried on the tradition... <laughs> It's that fucking bad. <laughs> it's so bad. I, I remember like watching the first act, and I remember I remember thinking like I think like because it's a great first act, and then it just absolutely falls apart. And I and I remember like that it gave me this it gave me this jaded thing where now every time I watch a movie, you know how the first act's always amazing, right? Like in every movie you watch, because oh, that's what they wrote. That's what they wrote, and they they want that, right? They they draw yeah. on you, and here's here's we're building our world, we're setting everything up. So there's no you don't know what the movie's about really yet, so you're just enjoying it. Screenwriters write Act One question mark. That's right. That's <laughs> you right. Know what I mean? Every single movie starts as Act One. Yeah. And i I literally have I mean I'm I'm just guessing, but I'm gonna say two hundred screenplays 
written as far as Act One right now. Are you shitting me? Right, me you probably too, do too. Me too. So because there's a reason why that is, because you eventually you have to you have to go to the ending and imagine the ending you want, and then sort of reverse engineer your way back to the beginning, of course, and make a movie out of it. You have to tie all of it together. All the problem with all of these remakes is they have a great first act. That tell that retells the first story, and then they're just like, ah, now we just we, we got him in the theater. Like yeah. we don't have to, you know, explosion. Dennis Quaid run around and explosions. And she was a girl all the time. It happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She took off her glasses, and now she's pretty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, but I, I don't like that. I don't like when they, when they, when they say like, oh, we're gonna base this whole concept on an idea, or a con- we're gonna base this whole movie on a concept that we can essentially get across the audience in one act. So, so the second two acts become meaningless, and therefore you have a terrible film. So. Well, and I'll I'll hijack uh-huh. question ten and eleven for you because you're please. not prepared. But like <laughs> I fucking <laughs> please please do con air my answer. But like in 2013, like one of my favorite all time movies is um, well it's two it, Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in 2013 they were like oh we're remaking the Evil Dead. The Sam Raimi. Yeah. Original. And, and in my brain I'm like well fuck you that's ridiculous sacrilege like why in the fuck are you gonna remake something that's fucking perfect then i went to the theater with my wife and her sister and i was like this is the best movie i've seen in fucking so long i loved it so much i love the 2013 remake Mm -hmm. of the evil dead and then i find out no it's not a fucking remake because in the post-credits stinger or sequence or whatever bruce campbell actually shows up and it's like it's a sequel you know what I mean? Right, right. And I'm like, fuck. And then they never made the sequel to the sequel that I was fucking in love with. I thought it was just like the best, it's the best practical gore movie that maybe I've ever seen. Wow. Like, And I mean, like going back to like John Carpenter's The Thing. Wow. Like the practical gore effects in the Evil Dead 2013 remake are phenomenal. <laughs> Like, make me sick to my stomach. Fucking, like, I'm literally like, oh, fuck. Wow. Like, they're that good. Yeah, Like, it's worth watching. So, like, when I bring these questions up, the remake questions, and I don't care what your answers are necessarily, Mm -hmm. what we need to agree on (laughs) is that there has to be a fucking set of rules about what we're fucking doing when we're remaking a film. That's right. And one thing should be, make it better. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And also, don't remake great movies. That's right. Like, the conversation I actually have always wanted to have about remakes when I wrote these questions is just like, why are we remaking certain movies? That's right. I think movies should be remade when they have an amazing concept, but the magic trick didn't work. Like, it just wasn't executed. Like, you think, God, like, 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 nope. Like, in 30 years, I hope somebody remakes nope and ties that shit together. Sure. But, like, and, and I hope it's a black director. Let me just, sure. just now that you think I'm racist. Sure. But, um, I, because I lean toward comedy, like, all of my, all I hope of, it's Steven Soderbergh. <laughs> all of my stuff, all of my stuff is really comedy. I look back on the comedies that I love growing up and I, and I want them to be remade. And not, I'm not talking about the comedy vehicles for, because those are always going to exist. You know, you have, your Adam Sandler movie, you had Rodney Dangerfield movies. You had, you know, that's never going to change. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about pure, like pure comedies for the sake of comedies. Your your bridesmaids, your, you know, which I guess was a vehicle too. But you know what I'm saying? Um, I do. I like back in the day, um, like back in the day, like um, like I would like to take a crack at say, um, uh, um, Brewster's Millions, which by the way was a remake. Was it really? That was a remake. From what? 
Brewster's Millions, when Rodney Dangerfield made that movie, had been re or not Rodney Dangerfield, Richard Pryor, uh, Richard and Pryor, and uh, John Candy. John Candy, yeah, yeah. I think that was like the third iteration of that story. Yeah, of Brewster's. I Millions. can see that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, literally remakes called Brewster's. Oh, Millions. really? Hundred percent. That was a fucking remake. Wow. I love that movie. Well, let's call it a franchise and let's get another great compare. I think I love. I think there's a way you could do it today. Oh, you know what? I'm changing my answer. Okay, so Ooh. anyway, I, so, would that be cool? Because you didn't have an answer in the first place. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, because I literally like I've written scripts for remakes, and yeah. like I've written a script for a Brewster's Millions remake that was called Chasing Washington. It was a little bit different, but the guy was chasing a dollar bill, and I, I had this treatment. It's not a script yet, but I have a treatment for a remake of Three Amigos. And I, I know you said don't remake good movies. Okay, but hear me out on this. I want to hear your pitch. It's an homage. Okay, here's my oh, elevator, pitch. elevator pitch. Here's my elevator pitch. They're not, they're not Americans. They're not white guys who are mistaken for Mexicans. They're all actually Indian actors who are mistaken for Mexicans because they're brown. Okay, that's funny. Okay, go on. <laughs> but then they get involved in like an international right. problem with like Iran and like Mexico. And like it becomes no. this big international thing, right? No, so you get like, like you, get, you get a season, sorry. You get um, Camille. Um, not Namjiani. Namjiani. You get the great Indian actor comedians of our day. And you put them three together and you call it Three Amigos. And I promise you that'll be a fucking hit. They're Indian. They're not Mexican. <laughs> it's, a t- it's a testament of how stupid Hollywood is. You know what I mean? Like, they just typecast them as brown. <laughs> also, if I was a producer, I would have greenlit that film. <laughs> yes! Instantly. Can you imagine Aziz yes. writing on that? Yes. Yes. 100%. Yes. <laughs> Aziz can write on it. and it's, it'll Who's be a whole- the cab driver in yeah. Deadpool? That guy. Yes, him Get too. that yes. guy. Yes, we've got our cast. We've yeah. got our three amigos. And so, but the point is, they're so arrogant and they're so desperate for fame that they don't care, right? They they go along with it, and that's what gets them in trouble. And the third act resolution is that they have to come to terms with their ego and realize that their happiness doesn't rely on their Hollywood success. That's and that's funny. how they got themselves embroiled into an international controversy. Right? I'm gonna I have it all that. worked out, buddy. But um, let me write it. We'll we'll send it out. Maybe Blake can help us out. We can get this in front of the right people. Three I think amigos. It's a fucking. <laughs> Fabulous idea. Thank you. Greenlit. We're, we're, that, See? Is a, that is a go movie. <laughs> You're questioning my question answer for question 11, and I, I delivered. That's all right. We're going to skip ahead to question the 12th mm-hmm. to shut down this two-hour... <laughs> Sprawling conversation. ...opus that we have presented. Um, given a chance to be saved, my friend, mm-hmm. you're going to heaven. What film would you present to our Lord... Hoping that shares in your particularly horrible taste. <laughs> I hope he does too. Um, I think I would want to make sure that my Lord was very like tolerant, sure, and loving and non-judgmental. Okay. Um, I if if I'm going to be judged um, as a basis to get into heaven, I'd rather just go to hell. I'm okay. not. I'm not interested in judgment. Oh, this is a, you're you're putting it to the test. <laughs> I'm just saying. So I'm I'm literally just you're trying flipping to flipping the script. Yeah, because I don't I don't right. I don't care. I, I like, want to I want to be accepted for him or not accepted at all. So so I'm going to think of my my most like the answer that comes to mind is my most um yeah like le- my least holy of movies my least acceptable of movies. You know um can you like like m- my favorite films are from. Quentin Tarantino and the Coen brothers. Okay. So like, it's hard for me to choose one particular thing that says like, this is who I am or here's where my sensibilities lie. Okay. But you can kind of pull from any of those filmographies. Uh I would show them, I would say, Hey God, do you have like 
do you have like half a day we can sit down and have a little session? Because I don't I don't want it to be one movie. It'd be like it'd be like yeah, like Raising Arizona and Pulp Fiction and and um, you know shit like that. Uh, maybe um, would you show the Lord Life of Brian? <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. Um, Which is my favorite Monty Python. It's film. not my favorite Monty Python movie, but I love it, and uh, and I would love to. I would love to show everybody in heaven that. Because um, I'd like to think God has a sense, sense of humor. humor. I, I think I would show him more. I think I think I would. I, my mind's more leaning toward like Last Temptation of Christ. You know, um, like I really want to challenge and that's <laughs> interesting. No, <laughs> the Harvey Keitel Scorsese joint. Ooh. Because I, I want to like that answer. I want to challenge things. I want to be. I want to be accepted, and I want everyone else to be accepted. So I want. I want to challenge that whole heavenly uh, dichotomy. I'm not. I'm not right. just going to walk in there and be like, "Thanks for having me." So you got to scoop one. Huh? You got to pick one. Um, it's got to happen. Okay. I yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with that last one because that. I particularly me... love the idea of showing Last Temptation of Christ because one, it was such an amazing novel. Hmm. It was. A pretty goddamn good fucking film, man. Yeah, I think so. And I know it was Willem Dafoe. Oh, it was Willem Dafoe, not... Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, Harry Cartel. Scorsese is... Uh, um, direct, wanted to direct that movie for shit, I think, like, 15 years. Like, he tried to get that movie made. Like, it was crazy. Wow. Um, in fact, he got turned down by one studio, and he... I think it was in, like, 1982... And he was like, fuck it. I'm just going to make a movie this mm. weekend. Wow. And they made After Hours with Griffin Dunn and Cheech and Chong and all. He just called everybody he knew. And he was like, I'm making a movie this week. Just, do you guys want to be in this movie? <laughs> wow. Because he was so frustrated with like the studio system of like trying to get Last Temptation of Christ made. Yeah. It almost became like a, a messianic hmm. journey yeah. for Scorsese. To make that fucking movie, which ultimately kind of became like a little bit underwhelming for some people, which I thought the movie was beautiful. Yeah, I love. I what, love. What, what year did it come out again? Oh, Do you God, know? Eighty six, eighty seven. Okay, that's why it was like eighties. Yeah, 80s. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought it was a beautiful movie. I thought it was really obvious. It was Scorsese. It was a great yeah. movie. But like, yeah, like I think after all of that turmoil for so long, it was kind of underwhelming. But I mean, obviously taking that movie to God and being like, yeah, I think that's kind of the point. Like, like what do you think about it, buddy? Yeah, because because the, it, it kind of also, speaks to the whole. Does Willem Dafoe like present as your son? <laughs> right. <laughs> did, did he did he nail it? Did um, he killed it? Killed but it, it but it really does make you. <laughs> it opens up this whole thought concept of like of like us as human beings and this is a great thing to finish on by the way yeah. but like as us as human beings and we're talking about being inspired or influenced by other artists it also kind of ties into that can you separate the art from the artist's conversation with people who've done terrible things sure and and so yeah i i want to ask god about how his how his world is reflected in our art not just last temptation of christ but everything yeah. And because those same things that make us make movies, you know what I mean? That ties into the same reason why he lets babies die of AIDS in Africa. Like, sure. I, I, you, you fucked no, us. No, he gives babies <laughs> That's what AIDS I mean. in Africa. Like, because, <laughs> he gives it to them. Yeah. So because we experience pain and mortality and suffering, we, we, we make art. And so yeah. I want to I go to God and be like, hey, bro. Look what you did for us, and like I want to show him these movies, and I want to I want to have these conversations. Like like 
because of this suffering, we are able to express yeah. ourselves this way. If we lived in Eden, I don't think we'd be watching Pulp Fiction. Like, I, I just don't think like we would evolve to the point where like, if sin had never entered the world, if, if humanity didn't exist. And when we talk about art, we talk about movies and books, it's what it is, right? It's human condition. We're peeling back those layers, discovering ourselves and realizing that like we don't, A, like we don't know. <laughs> We don't know anything. We don't know about God. We don't know about ourselves. We don't know anything. But man, isn't it cool to like hear this story and like tap into that person's consciousness? And like the older I get, the more I realize like it's all about connection and relationships and being a part of something and being part of a community. And if films and music can like bring us together, yeah, then they are God. Like they are more godlike than any God I've ever worshipped. <laughs> well, now I have to send you to heaven. <laughs> well, good because I was burning in the fires of hell after no, my last. I episode. know after question 10 and 11 i was ready to cast you aside <laughs> yeah now, now i'm gonna send you to heaven and i kind of want to kiss you on the mouth hey <laughs> that was an amazing answer thanks buddy. Thank thanks you. man that was awesome um wes do you have anything you want to talk about promote uh i know you're man. not really doing stand-up anymore so i know you're not out yeah. there yeah no, um, not really. You know, there's there. Are, I, I do want to shout out um, a couple of things happening at the Durango Art Center. Okay, um, coming up the the Mister Mister um, uh, B's vaudeville show is happening on May twentieth. Oh, okay, which is a really really fun show. If you, um, we are friends of the Art Center. Yeah, right. yeah, are, yeah. Mister Ben's doing his vaudeville show, which is really cool because if you get a ticket to this, I think it's only like fifteen or twenty bucks, but it's at the Durango Art Center. It's basically like local talent, so songs, yeah. dance, you know, whatever. But you get to. You get to boo the, the acts you don't like and even throw things at them. So like everybody who comes into the theater is given like a th- like some like fake snowballs, like cotton snowball yeah. things. And uh, so yeah, if you if you don't like the act, you can boo them and throw snowballs at them. Oh and my god! I started to to perform in that show and I and I think I got a little bit of like as a as a comedian who's done you know uh professional work before i thought i don't that doesn't appeal to me to like get it to, no, for you people know to be able to turn. Boo. yeah I've, I've already been booed many times i don't need it to, uh but but i think it'll be a really fun show and i want to encourage everyone to go out for that that sounds awesome and then also the other thing happening at the dac i think this month is the uh is the uh, that's so durango show yes so uh, i just encourage everyone we have an amazing venue at the durango art center here in durango and so if you haven't yet just go to their website and click on events like they have shit like that happening all the time they're really cool um i volunteer there every once in a while just to, like help out it's like durangoartcenter.org durangoartcenter.org it's that easy it's that easy and so shout out to those guys and uh yeah man thanks thanks for having me this is always really um, fun to our podcast this. we used to do the podcast from the durango art center oh sweet that yeah was, sick yeah. like live live in front of an audience <laughs> no no they were, they were never gonna let that happen but i had a space we did we did a comedy showcase durango podcast live at the straighter a few yeah. times and and people came to that but we'd had we had to have have a comedy show first that people would actually pay to go see and then we would do the podcast after <laughs> and, right. and a lot of people would leave i'm not gonna lie but uh but maybe we should maybe we could do something like we, at least one night yeah. i've had like a big live podcast recording Absolutely. or something it's yeah. so fun to have a live audience laughing at your jokes it's so much better than um it really is it, i mean if you have jokes but i mean even just laughing at stuff you say it's, it energizes the um thing but you're re- actually really good at this by the way i, I really enjoy this uh, oh. you keep it conversational and like um, yeah, you're, you're good at it. Like it's not stepping over people's sound bites and, um, you know, you're supposed to ask a question and then listen for the answer. Most people find that very hard to do and you do not. So I appreciate that. Or people ask a question and then feel like they have to repeat the question five times or like restate it. And it's like, no, I'm just thinking, I heard your question. Like give me a chance to, so anyway, you're really good at this very natural and uh, very talented at it. So keep it up. Please continue giving us this content. I will. And Drango you- loves it. 
you are definitely going to be invited back. Um, yeah. You're going to heaven briefly. I'm sure you're going to fuck it up. Uh, absolutely. You're going to end up on the lesbian. I want to come on with some. I want to come on with someone else and do a double where we can like argue about these answers. Like I want to. I want to challenge someone besides you. <sighs> That's interesting. We could probably figure that out, but I don't know. <laughs> who I want you to argue with. <laughs> no. Um, no. I right. have one person in mind that is uh, another semi, semi-controversial host. Or maybe uh, not argue, but what if we did like a round table? What if we had like three or ooh. four people and did like a round table discussion about a certain topic or a certain movie or something? I'm always down for stuff like that. Yeah. I would love to do that and I can release it at any given time. <laughs> I, bet I think you could, it'd be great. You could take any one of these questions and do a two-hour round table about it. <laughs> I literally only do this to talk about movies with my friends. It's so cool, That's man. why I do it. Yeah, and it's a great way to get to know people and, and learn more about you know how, how people's sensibilities and how they think. Yeah, so, yeah well, that's cool. Thank man. you so much. I appreciate of you, course. I appreciate my pleasure. you coming by. You're a funny, talented, handsome man. You are the best. I want you to enjoy your salvation. <laughs> and I will see you next time, my hey, friend. Hey, thank you. 